Welcome back to Tap Off The Mark. My name is Aiden Stepsis. Today, I'll be breaking down the first two matches of the third round of the Six Nations, as well as previewing uh, tomorrow's uh, Ireland versus Italy matchup in Dublin. Then, I'll be getting into the distinction between Sevens Rugby and Fifteens Rugby. So let's get into it. Um, so on Saturday, uh, we saw France and Scotland meet in Murrayfield at Edinburgh. Um, and it was a pretty resounding France victory, 36-17, to 17, with uh, Scotland tacking on a, a try at the end just to you know, make the score a bit more appealing. Um, it seems pretty clear after three rounds of the tournament that France is you know, a cut above the rest. They're the, they're the best team in the tournament. Um, and you know, I, I would argue that they're probably the best in the world right now. You know, if, if they hadn't beaten New Zealand in autumn, you'd probably still think New Zealand just because, you know, they're steady Eddie. New Zealand's always at the top. Um, but, you know, France has proven that, you know, they can beat a Southern Hemisphere team. And they're pretty much rolling over the Northern Hemisphere teams. Um, so it's incredible how they've built this team up from, you know, pretty, pretty you know, down year few years um, in the past. And they've slowly rebuilt the youth. They've worked on provincial rugby, and um, now you see them as, you know, a force to be reckoned with in a team that nobody wants to play. Um, New Zealand does not want to play them. You know, I don't think South – maybe South Africa, I'd say they're the the competition right now for the, for the best in the world, but France is a threat um, to anybody. And, you know, they have this unique just combination of, you know, size, speed, skill, and depth. You know, they really check off – every box you're looking for when you're building a rugby team. Um, and yeah, so they, they, they went into to Edinburgh and, you know, pretty quickly on, they just put a try in there and then they rolled from there. And you see Scotland, you know, once again, they're disappoint. They're disappointing, um, you know, the pundits and the fans. It seems like they really only show up for England each year. And then every other game, it's, you know, same old Scotland. Um, there seemed to be no fire to the breakdown in this game. You know, I think France had something like 10 poches, 10 steals, and that just can't happen at international rugby, especially uh, a team of the caliber of Scotland. Um, you know, they did have a lot of injuries, granted, in the forward pack. I think they're missing four starters in their forwards, which obviously they're the guys who are at the breakdown. And those are the guys who are rucking, but it's not much of an excuse. You know, this is, they're international players, and they just they didn't seem to want it at all um, in this game. You know, the first half was relatively close. I think it was 19 to 10 at the half. But after that, you know, once France put a try in early in the second half, it was over. I think everyone realized that the game was over. Um, so Scotland really need to, like, figure out what they're made of and what kind of team they are because – you know, they're looking down the barrel of uh, another loss to Ireland, and then we'll see about Italy. But, um, yeah, Scotland, it was a disappointing showing from them. Um, probably the only bright spot for them was Rory Darge. Um, he was the flanker who um, you know, took the place of the injured um, of Hamish Watson, who, who uh, was down with COVID. And, you know, he was, you know, a force. He, his runs were strong. He made his tackles. He had a few steals. So, you know, it looks like if they can get healthy again, 
Uh, Scotland will have some interesting decisions to make when it comes to the back row because they have two world-class flankers already in Hamish Watson and Jamie Ritchie. But yeah, I don't think you can keep Rory Darge out of your 15. I don't think you can do it. Um, so yeah, that was that was France and Scotland. And then um, the second game on Saturday was Wales visiting England. Um, you know, this is a game that, you know, it was a true toss-up coming into it. You know, they had both uh, won their previous game. They had good momentum. Um, they looked strong compared to very poor showings in week one. Um, and it was, to, it was to be expected. Um, England came out with the win, 23-19. to But it was a game that came down to the final minute uh, in overtime, not overtime, in uh, bonus time. Um, and it was a it was a really good showing from both sides, I'd say. Um, Wales had a lot of fight. They went down seventeen to nothing and very easily could have thrown in the towel, uh, but they did the exact opposite. They put in a try, uh, and then they put in another try, and then you know you blink your by the blink of an eye, it was a game. Um, I thought that it's pretty evident that if they were healthy and didn't have this a plethora of injuries, uh, it'd be a different outcome. They, you know, I don't know about the Ireland game, but they, I think they certainly would have beaten this England team. Um, but the good thing about that is, you know, they're building depth. So, you know, it was pretty clear right now they didn't have a 15 that they want, but with these guys getting some playing time and, you know, gelling together in 18 months when it's the World Cup, they're going to have a 23 that they can trust, you know, one through 23. They know that they have a guy that they can put out there and, you know, make positive plays and make an impact. Um, and that's, you know, that can't be overlooked. Uh, and then England, you know, they were solid. I think Marcus Smith, it's pretty clear that he's the present and future of this England team. Uh, once Owen Farrell comes back, it'll be interesting to see how they you know, use him, but Marcus Smith is the fly half. Um, he's a leader of this team, and he's just week in, week out. He just performs, and he makes plays that you don't think people can make, but he just does it. Um, and he was great again against Wales, winning man of the match. Um, I think it's I, – I had a question coming into this, this tournament about the youth on England. I thought uh, Eddie Jones, the head coach – was relying too much on these young guys who didn't have a lot of international experience. Uh, but they seem to be proving me wrong because, you know, you saw Alex Dombrant have an incredible game. Um, you have Charlie Ewells, uh, you know, Max Malins, Freddie Stewart. Harry Randall was, you know, immense in his kicking game. Uh, he alleviated a lot of pressure. Um, so I think, I think England's in a really good position right now. They still have, you know, the veterans that they can rely on. But those veterans now are coming off the bench, which is, you know, kind of what you want. You know, you want them to give them 20 minutes so they're not, you know, too tired. They don't have the stamina, but you know you're going to get quality production out of that. Um, And, you know, shockingly enough, you know, no one really thought of it uh, coming into the tournament, but England's in play for the championship. They have the two toughest tests uh, coming up. They have France and then Ireland. Um, or excuse me, they have Ireland and France, so they very well could, you know, drop pretty quickly. But you know, they're rolling right now. They're in a good place, and they look strong. So uh, I'm curious to see how they how they deal with um, 
uh, Ireland, uh, but they looked good against Wales. And well, I mean, yeah, Wales for their, to their credit, uh, they fought. They did not give up, and that's something that you know you can hang your hat on and be proud of. Um, and so the the final game will be uh of the third round will be uh, Ireland and Italy. And you, know, it's it's pretty. It's easy to think, okay, it's just Ireland's gonna roll. Um, I think, I mean, look, I think that's what will happen, but there are some questions you need to ask. Like, you know, for Ireland, does Joey Carberry get more time over Jonathan Sexton? Because Carberry looked really good against France. Um, and do you want to see what you have in him by giving him some more starting time? Um, it's pretty clear that Sexton has maybe a year and a half, two years left, and then it's going to be Carberry's turn. So do you, you know, keep Sexton on the bench, let him, you know, rest up, heal up, and have that thought process of, okay, I'll put you in for the final 20 and let Carberry direct the offense. Um, I'm curious to see uh, how head coach Andy Farrell deals with that. Um, and they, they have another, you know, personnel question with the wings. You know, they have three wings um, that probably deserve a starting spot, and there's only two spots. You know, right now it's Andrew Conway and Mac Hansen who've looked, you know, solid as solid can be. Um, but James Lowe was a revelation in the Autumn Nationals, and now all three are healthy and they, they want a spot. So who do you pick? Um, personally, I, I would go with – I would keep Conway and Mac Hansen in just because, you know, they've done what you've asked them to do, and you can't really fault them um, for, you know, being solid and being stout. And uh, it's not a bad thing to have James Lowe coming off the bench. Um, so, you know – what does what do they do with the wings is a question, but I think I know what, what I would do in that situation. Um, and then you just like simply you can't look past Italy, uh, and you can't look look ahead um, to England next week. You know you have to realize like you have to be in the here and the now. Um, I think they will be, but that's just always something I'm, I worry about um, and I think about. Does a team look down on an opponent and just look past them? Uh, and for Italy, you know. They're they're slowly building. I've acknowledged that. I've seen it. They look a lot better um, than in years past. But you know, there's still a, a talent uh, deficit. You know, can they handle the back line of Ireland? You know, you have Gary Ringrose and Bundy Aki are my pick for the best center combination in the world. So, is Italy going to be able to you know stop that? That's a you know if they don't, it's going to get out of hand pretty quickly. Um, and then. I think if Italy wants to pull off the upset, it's going to be on uh, the fly half. It's going to be on Paolo Garbisi. And he, he's he been really focused on, you know, field position and kicking uh, for field and for possession. And while that's not a bad thing, he can't solely focus on that and rely on that, which is what he's been doing. Um, I think, you know, in years past, he's shown he can be a runner. He can be a playmaker. Uh, I think he needs to do that this week. I think he needs to show that with ball in hand, he's a threat because um, he is. And it makes Italy more multidimensional because when he's just kicking it, you know, there's not really a threat for, you know, possession um, for the Italians. So I think Ireland will win, but a few things, if a few things fall the right way, Italy has a chance to, you know, pull off a real, a real upset in Dublin. Um, all right, so that's kind of covering the uh, the Six Nations right now. Um, and then I just want to get into a little 
uh, go over the distinction of, you know, sevens rugby and fifteens rugby because you know, there's not just one. There's multiple, you know, forms of rugby. Um, I personally, I play both. I play fifteens and sevens. Uh, I favor fifteens, but that's just because I'm slow. And sevens is a lot more of a a running open field type of game. Um, so fifth, it's it's pretty simple. It's it's in the name. It's fifteens is fifteen on fifteen. Um, obviously sevens is seven on seven and that just means sevens is so much more of an open field because it's still the same dimensions of the field um and so when 15s you know really it's all about for, like going forward running straight um because you're trying to just constrict constrict defense um and then you're trying to open up the field um because it's not naturally open it's naturally closed off but in sevens it's just there's so much space it's naturally an open field um, so you're more inclined to, you know, not go into contact. You're trying to avoid contact. So you, you, you pull back if you're going to you think you're going to get tackled. You can hop side to side. Um, it's a lot about, you know, creating space for yourself. Um, whereas 15s, it's the exact opposite. When you get the ball, you're not, you know, you're not allowed. You're not really allowed. You're not supposed to. You're not allowed to, you know, do a loop. You're not supposed to run sideways to try and turn the corner. You get the ball and you run straight, and you just you have to rely on your teammates and the group work. Whereas seven, it's a lot more of solo work um, and fast feet, and you know you make those gaps for yourself. Um, and so yeah, that's kind of a distinction with how the offense and how attack works with the, the two. Um, and then in sevens, you know, it's it's a constant recycling of you know of play. Uh, the breakdowns do not take long, you know, whereas in 15s, they can take upwards of, you know, 30 seconds if they're trying to set it up. Sevens, once they get tackled, someone's right there and they picked the ball up and they're going again. And you can be out of it for a play or two in 15s once you get tackled or once you're in the breakdown or you can be on the wing and you can be nowhere near the play. But in sevens, you're always, you know, an option to get the ball. So you always have to have your head on a swivel and you always got to be ready. Uh, yeah, and so that's just it's a, it's a big difference between the two. Um, there's, a, there's a constant, the ball is always in play in sevens, and there's not a lot of time to breathe for it. Um, and so when it comes to, like, you know, stamina, just, you know, in 80s, uh, in the 80s, in 15s, it's 80 minutes. Um, and so, you know, you need a long-term stamina. It's, you know, more jogging, but you're always running. Whereas in, in sevens, it's two seven-minute halves, 14-minute game, and it's, it's, you know, it's keep away. It's 14 minutes of sprints, you know, who can keep up with it, who can't. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's very different. You know, you, you think it's, oh, it's still rugby. It's just smaller, but it's, it's really not, you know, it's the, the way you play it is so, is so um, different. You know, in 15s, there's tactical kicking, you know, kicking is a big, big part of the game. If you're under pressure, you kick. So you kick out of pressure. You kick under their half. Um, you know, you kick for penalties and you go into touch. But in sevens, you know, kicking is, you know, it's really not, um, it's just not wanted. It's it's not, you know, it doesn't have the same impact as it does in 15s. Because there's so little time. If you kick the ball, you kick away, you know, a precious possession. You know, there's precious few possessions. And you kick it away. Um and it just gives the other team a chance to have a broken broken field, broken play, open run. Um, and you're trying to avoid that because you want you know you want the ball in hand as long as possible. There have been a few 
you know, sevens games I've been a part of where, gosh, you know, you just like, you don't get the ball. The other team, they just run up and down and you just don't get the ball um, and vice versa. And so you, you kick away, you're just giving them another opportunity to score on you and you don't want that. Um, and just, I mean, if tackling is important in both, um, in both, you know, forms of, of, of play in 15s and sevens. Uh, but with 15s, unless it's a, you know, a broken, a broken down play or, a, or an open run, you, you can rely on your teammates to like help, you know, gang tackle somewhere. You know, you go low, they go high, or, you know, they help you get them back. Or they're right, they're right on your hip. Uh, so you can, you can afford to miss a tackle here and there because someone's going to cover you. In sevens, if you don't make your one-on-one tackles, it's it's off to the races, you know. So you you really it's you have to they you know sevens coaches stress like one-on-one tackling in practice, um, form tackles so that you know once you tackle them they can't just pop back up because there's not as many people there uh, to have a ruck and to make, create the breakdown, um, and so it's so easy to just get tackled. But if you don't hold it there. They just pop back up, and you know, you know, they're running. And so, yeah, those are those are really the big, the biggest, you know, differences between the two. Um, there's an appeal to both. You know, I, some, I've enjoyed some sevens games. I just personally, I like the, you know, the physicality of fifteens. Um, I like, you know, the, how it's a lot more um, set plays where you you have a a formed offense and you you run through that offense. Um, whereas in sevens, it's really just, you know, a few passes here and there and who's faster than who, and as someone who's not particularly fast, you know, it's, it's not my forte. Um, but there's, I, I, def, I definitely see the appeal in it and, um, it, it can be a lot of fun when done right. Just like any rugby can, it can be a lot of fun when it's done right. Um, yeah. So, uh, that will wrap up this episode. Tap off the mark. Uh, thank you for tuning